0: You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast in all things communication, advertising, and marketing. I'm your host, Ted Lau, award-winning agency owner, podcaster, and family guy. Today on our show, we have Justin R. Melville, Vice President, Brand Experience at REW. Before joining REW, Justin has built companies, products, and teams across the music, payments, digital health, and real estate space. His music startup was very similar to Patreon, and he gave a TED Talk relating to the music industry back in 2012. He also founded a company called Akaya, which he appeared on Dragon's Den for. His role at Akaya involved conceiving, designing, and iterating products that made the entire rental experience simpler, smarter, and faster for all stakeholders. Justin, welcome.
1: Thanks, Ted. It was uh, quite a moment. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. So cool to be on a podcast first time in a long time. Uh, and my first That's remote me. one actually. So
0: That's right. You're actually hailing from where?
1: Cape Town, South Africa.
0: Cape um, Town, South Africa.
1: Fun fact, there's a city in South Africa called Durban. It's on the east coast. It is, if I'm not mistaken, geographically the furthest point on Earth from Vancouver. You could not oh, wow. you could not be further away from Vancouver if you were
0: in So you are probably, I think, the most distant host that we have interviewed. We've interviewed an astronaut, Chris Hadfield, before. Uh, <laughs> but he was actually on Earth, not in space. So technically, you hold the title for longest distance podcast guest for marketing news canada so congratulations
1: take that mrs liza gang <laughs> Thanks, there <man>. you go
0: <laughs> so yeah maybe let's let's chat a little bit about who you are tell us a little bit about justin and you know your world and how you got here and brand experience and all that kind of stuff
1: <laughs> blind chance bit of idiot's luck um but no seriously i i, I guess uh, not no question um stymies me quite like tell us where you're from um for some reason um, but, uh, to cut a long story short, I'm kind of a designer entrepreneur who's always kind of had a little soft spot for the, where sort of branding and I guess, you know, before even there was such a thing as apps would have been just, uh, online experiences where ha- that whole space has been my bread and butter since I was a, a small boy <laughs> of around about 12. Um, and I've kind of one way or another built on that over time, uh, I've, uh, as you sort of said in the intro, I've, I've taken a crack at a few industries, like music, um, where our company Airborne was one of the first, I think, pioneers in that crowdfunding, direct contribution and support space, so like long before Patreon. Um, and we really saw, like, we thought that that was where the, the world was going. And I guess we were right, but probably about 10 years too early. And I think that's, uh, that's definitely another trend for me. Because um, yeah, I've had the opportunity to just work wherever there's something exciting going down, and wherever there are you know some pretty young, ambitious people, I try my best to put myself in the in the best possible circumstances to both have a good time, but also try and do something of 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 you know substance. And so, journey through real estate into dipping into digital health, where I was completely blown away by stuff I didn't know, and. Um, more recently came out of the payment space in South Africa helping small businesses and what i've really learned along the way is uh, a lot of ways not to do stuff
0: <laughs> oh is that right <laughs> that's the best way of learning actually <laughs>
1: yeah i can i can definitely lecture for for hours on ways not to do things uh, funny enough actually i'm 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 published in a textbook Well, i'm not published but my story is um university of Southern California, I believe I'm in their syllabus under the title, uh, graceful failure in a textbook. <laughs> so if you Google my name <laughs> and the word failure, you get results.
0: <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, so I want to hear that. Now that was not part of your bio. Your PR guy did not send that, but I'm sorry, Justin, we're going to have to dig into that. So how does one get into a USC textbook around failure? Graceful failure, right? Graceful failure.
1: Well, first you have to fail. That's you know that's the important part. Um, but then, uh, so so in our case, um, it really came upon. Uh, we fought a good fight with airborne. Um, we tried to build a community around it. Bear in mind, this is like 2011, so a lot hadn't been invented yet, and the world looked quite different from then. And we fought, and we fought, and we fought, and um, eventually the day came where you have to send out that email um, that says. It's over, you know. You you have to pronounce your own dream dead, pretty much, and yeah. So I did. I went through the process. I did that the best way I could, and like we just got this really unexpected surge of like support and, I guess, love in a way that came in, Um, and it just so happened that uh, you know one of the lessons that we learned from all of it was well, there were were several, but you know, like one of the things was to reach out for help sooner um and it was just you know the learn as I was sort of sharing those learnings around you know the end of airborne the post-mortem um yeah it turns out someone uh, i never actually met the author but had had observed it followed my followed my work watched the TED talk and everything and combined it as uh yeah and served it as an example of graceful failure um I have no idea why we were chosen but uh, it's a fun fact
0: (laughs) well I think that's great I mean as an entrepreneur, someone that runs an agency, I've had this agency for twenty years now. Man. And I mean, isn't it the saying? What doesn't kill you make you stronger, right? So,
1: I've I've gotten pretty chunky.
0: Or fatter. Is that what you <laughs> just said? Oh well, that's okay. You know? Plump yeah. failure is also <laughs> acceptable, I believe. Yes. <laughs> so what case. did you learn from that experience? Maybe let's let's go to there.
1: Hey man. Um look, timing is uh, is a big part of success, I think. Um, not always in your control. There's certainly things you can do. Um, I think that for us, if I can, uh, it's a bit of a techie thing, but I would say that like, you know, we we, in, we were trying to invent this whole new paradigm for industrial change. Um, industrial revolution for music is kind of, nothing, nothing less would do. Um, and that sounds nice, um, but I do think that being very, very specific and focused about It doesn't have to be the best sounding problem in the world that you're trying to solve. Um, But rather, just focusing on, like, for us, it would have been less focusing on how to be uh, immune from Digital Millennium Copyright Act and unable to be taken down by Visa. We had this whole thing, like, art should be free. So we were, like, based out of Iceland and Panama. And we couldn't be taken down even if we tried. The problem was we never got enough users to really test the infrastructure because we had overbuilt in terms of creating this new world and industry, the infrastructure for it, instead of, you know, I think we what we missed was more that the story was important, the actual connection, the one-on-one, uh, we should have dedicated every cent we had towards nurturing those connections, um, rather than building infrastructure. And I think, you know, as a you know, sometimes as an entrepreneur and certainly as a designer, you know, you've got the solution and you're going to roll it out. Um, sometimes, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely for, in my case, it's paid more dividends to just, um, move a bit more slowly and be a little bit more open to, to the moment, I guess, rather than planning the whole thing years in advance.
0: Do you think that actually has to do with the lean startup? I know there's a book out there That talks about, and it sounds like you were more Kevin Costner in Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. And in your case, you built it, but maybe you didn't have product market fit. Do you think that might have been it?
1: I think so. Look, you know, uh, there's always a hundred reasons or a hundred things you could have done better. I do think that one of the lessons we learned out of music and specifically was that the music industry did not, and I still believe does not, want to be saved. Um, For for what we learned is that for the big game, certainly in 2011, for a big game being talked about being an independent artist, the hundreds and thousands of artists that we met, met along the journey truly only wanted two things. Um, And the first one was to wake up next to someone more attractive than them. And the second thing was a big label record contract. They didn't care about being screwed. They didn't care about the economics. They didn't care about the exploitation. They wanted their name and lights and all the cachet. That was their dream, right?
0: Fame. Fame.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so we found that our messaging to artists was definitely like it was... um, it was perhaps mistargeted. In fact, what we probably would have done better to do is find the best friend from the artist who is the de facto manager. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the economic model of distribution and the future and that kind of stuff may, would have made sense to that kind of an, an audience. But for artists, they just like, the, put it this way the vast majority of artists are artists and pure creative. You know, finding the one with smart business sense is a rarity. And so I think that we would have done better to just be a little bit more, yeah, I think target, chosen our audience a bit better might have been one of the things that was really helpful um, for that project. But I can't overestimate enough. I think we were still very early, and uh, I'm not sure that anything we changed could um, could have really saved us in the end. We were also trying to do it from Cape Town, South Africa, which was in hindsight a bold choice
0: well it's all right man i think we all learn and maybe not finding the junior david geffen is where where you you had a hiccup but that's okay you you learn from it now wanted to understand how someone goes from music to digital health to payments from the other side of the planet now coming all the way to the west coast canada to do real estate
2: yeah um
1: so the reason for coming to the West Coast and to Canada was largely um, just following another great South African who made the journey before me. and that's actually the boss man at REW Simon Bray, who is also a South African. And during the last 10 years of my career, we were in the same orbit as part of you know the rental and real estate space here in South Africa. He was you know he was head of one of the biggest, essentially the REW of South Africa. And I was in the the high tech space, you know, disruptor tanks on the horizon kind of character, and we never really found this opportunity to work together um, during that time for a number of reasons. You know, his world and my world just didn't quite manage to get in 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 uh, in sync. And so, an opportunity to you know, once he took over from REW here, um, and my life had simplified. Um, I decided that I'd had enough of being an entrepreneur for a couple of decades, and uh, you know, for me, it was that I really was looking for something to join for once, instead of something to lead. Um, I didn't didn't uh, <laughs> I didn't need that extra weight on my shoulders for a season, and so the opportunity, yeah, stars aligned. It became great. Um, but what is really cool is that it's also it's a, I don't see it as a new. It is a new challenge, but it's not a new thing. F- I've always, since Airborne, the music company, the rentals, Digital Health, it's always been very much around connecting individuals, like the power, empowering the individual, essentially. So I'm not one for the crowd and the masses, but in music, we were trying to create individual connections between you know, artist and fan directly. With Digital Health, we were trying to say, uh, how can me as an individual understand my own physiology better, um, so that I don't have to outsource the knowledge of my body to a medical professional or in a medical company of any sort. Um, with payments, we were dealing with, like, the the most entry-level entrepreneurs here in South Africa, like, literally people selling sweets at a traffic light, like, but taking credit card now, you know, really empowering small business, getting there. And for REW, that's exactly what, like, the whole new vision is for the business. When I say new vision, um, I think it's something that we've been living with for a while, but it's, it's the transition away from this, oh, REW has got the most page views and eyeballs and high engagement rates and all of that. We're starting to be way more concerned with the individual stories of people, um, particularly, you know, people of my generation, the millennial-esque generation. You know, there's, some, there's interesting, interesting times ahead as that, as that old, old story unfolds. I mean, you know you work plenty in the, with real estate clients, Ted. But with new homes and how we're going to figure, you know, like how do we, there's a real estate. Um, uh, I wouldn't I don't want to use the word crisis willy nilly, but there is this really big challenge, and um, you know, I'm going to be joining that as I come to Canada. I'm going to be a millennial trying to get onto the ladder somewhere. I don't own a house yet, um, and so what we're doing with real estate works or REW is to become a brand that helps the individual. Um, with what we call a real estate adventure so the there's a there's a great sort of a reward on the other side and we know it's more or less over there the journey between here and there is a little bit treacherous and we don't know the, the the we don't know the road exactly and so we see ourselves as saying cool home seeker we go together and we'll get you from this moment to your first night And I think in that way it's this common thread of just trying to... Solve the individual problem, but at market scale. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, What's really interesting is you basically started this conversation where you said timing wasn't quite right. I'm 10 years too ahead of the times. And you've joined an organization. And for those of you who are listening that aren't aware of REW Real Estate Works, it used to be called Real Estate Weekly in, in Vancouver. It's a publication where You know, this is back in the day when, you know, homes are on sale and it's a printed publication. And if you're home shopping, you'd pick up this rag, it was free and you'd walk around all over the place and go shop for condos. And, you know, Ballistic Arts, we, you know, been around long enough where we did a lot of advertising for our real estate developer clients, where we'd put ads when a condo project was launched onto this publication. And as someone that's a third party that has, use them to do advertising. It was always, you were always wondering like, well, there's this digital thing that's happening. This, the digital revolution, evolution, whatever you want to call it. And it didn't seem like this publication had the foresight to move ahead with the technology, with the times. And now quite frankly, it seems like it's a little bit on the back foot. So for you to be somebody that was well ahead, of the game, you were an early, early adopter. I think there's a, a, a on the curve there. Someone that's before early adopter, but you were that. Mm-hmm. It, to somebody now who's coming to an organization where you're trying to transform them digitally to some kind of a platform that's going to be well, well, maybe not well past um, what what they're at now, but to to get them up up to the times, as it were, and into an experience that's going to resonate with. Us elder millennials, and also the the younger Gen Zs. So that's a that's quite interesting of an experience. And and how are you able to, or what do you see when you get here? What what do you see? You're gonna you're gonna be needing to do.
1: Yeah. So I mean, as you pointed out, um, it started as a, a print publication, and I think at its time, quite a successful one. Um, mm-hmm. And then it did sort of make that journey. That every other... You know, uh, the, the journey that a thousand newspapers made before it um, to become an online portal. But when you say that it's sort of fallen behind in the digital context, you know, as a pure outsider starting to explore, you know, where one might want to live, prices of rentals, neighborhoods and stuff. I wonder, you know, where you're looking at in terms of what you see as the leadership in Canada, because from my perspective, you know, the real dominant players are stuff like realtor.ca, and I would certainly say that I don't see a very evolved. I don't see 2022 written all over the, over that experience. And I mm-hmm. think you know across Canada they are very much the incumbent, and for for good reason as well. Uh, uh, I think you know it's been a they've been a large part of the scene. I mean, they basically are the scene for the most part. So what is really exciting about REW is that it's managed to maintain this little island of dominance in bc right so we're like in bc it is i mean it's twice the size uh, audience wise of anything else um and so we've got this kind of we've got the makings of a loyal like and it's like a loyal base to work from but it's 30 years old it's multi-generational it's from 1978 you know and so what we've got here is something that has been around for so long um, that has changed before and now can change again. so if anything, instead of starting with you know like the shiniest landing pages and the buzziest of buzzwords, we're going somewhere very different. We're not trying to run towards the future we're actually just trying to catch up to today in a large sense and in many senses catch up to ten minutes ago because Largely, as we, you know, technology moves at a, like, laser pace, and I think younger generations and tech and even marketing, you know, you try and stay on that, um, that uh, you try and stay, like, on the shockwave in front of the cutting edge. But with real estate, I mean, is there any, <laughs> is there anything more concrete, pardon the pun, or more unwilling to be dragged <laughs> forward mm-hmm, than the real mm-hmm, estate mm-hmm. industry? And why would we, we don't think, we're, like, REW's mission isn't to change the way the real estate industry works or to uh, disrupt anything. It isn't about, you know, moving towards direct models that cut out the agents. No, 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 no. I think the way I explain what we're doing at REW is that other brands, other companies in the space are going, we're going to make real estate simpler, better, faster, cheaper. We're going to help you move, sell this house and... put it down over there and secure it and do NFTs and a whole bunch of other stuff you know like but we're going to make it better simpler faster REW is like yo, this is hard (laughs) this is a hard thing that you're trying to do here Um, it is something that you will do again it's probably one of the biggest things that you're going to go through and we recognize that it's tough and we recognize that you're a bit out of your depth and what we want to do as REW is meet you as a brand not as a platform or an app but actually says like we are you. <coughs> we're learning together. like we want to create the content that helps you move forward with confidence, rather than saying we're going to use some algorithm to connect you via a, you know, a nebula galaxy to the home of your dreams. It's no man, it's like, you'll be lucky if you get a house, but you know what? If it takes you 10 years, we'll be with you that whole time. Like you, that whole space of searching for a home from your first search all the way to your first, night? we see that as our opportunity to to meet the market and as i say our, our our approach if i can say what is going to be different to everyone else that you see in in of the other players in canada even if you take some of the us entrants like zillow and that sort of stuff is that we are not going platform we're not going technology we're going brand we're going story we're going living living the eating our own dog food as they say um, i'm literally Doing my, ho- I'm learning everything from strata to where the new home developments are coming up. Like the whole guarantees on new homes, how cool is that? You know, I'm learning all of this, but the content doesn't exist, right? As a millennial, elder millennial, if I don't know how to do something, I'm on YouTube looking for a tutorial. Try to do that for real estate, I dare you. <laughs> You'll be bored, <laughs> right? The content is just, it's, it's very same. Everything is great. Everything is cozy. Everything is, you know... Amer- we want to see the type of content that you find, uh, you know, that appeals to different kinds of markets, the types of stories and perspectives that create, like, rich context, not just always the the glossy front page kind of story. I talk too much.
0: <laughs> no, well, you're a podcast guest. The whole point is you to talk too much. So I appreciate Welcome that. The so then, I mean, as an outsider, <laughs> as an outsider who is somebody who... Is not from the country that is moving here. And it's it's really interesting because you just talked about the guarantees, right? Where in, in um, BC, British Columbia, the province in which we're at, um, the west coast of Canada, we have something called the 2 guarantee, which is, and this came, this is you buy a new home, certain parts of your home will have a two-year warranty, certain parts will be, have a 10-year warranty, and the, some of the greater structures will have a 10-year warranty. And this all stemmed from child of the 90s, in B.C., grew up in B.C., we had something called the leaky condo scandal. And so there were a number of developers who hid under numbered companies and built shoddy uh, condo buildings in along kind of the New West Quay area, mm-hmm. uh, one of the oldest cities in B.C., by the way, our old former capital of the province. And they, you know, kind of left the, the, the owners holding the bag when the pipes leaked or whatever. They were leaky condos. And so... They, I actually had a friend who ended up buying one of the last leaky condos and got on the hook tens and tens of thousands of dollars, I think almost $100,000 of damage, um, when you're just scraping enough to get that initial mortgage. And that's why that 2, 5, and 10 is there. Now, for yourself, as somebody that's not from here and, and trying to purchase and experience how to purchase real estate in a new country, It's it's a daunting experience, and 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 I it sounds like what you're trying to do with our at REW is to make that experience for the first time home buyer a little bit easier. It's not like the toilet is unplugged and I can I can't fix it and I go on YouTube and try to fix the toilet or or you know do do floorboards for for my my house. Like this is something where it's a it's a large investment for most people in the world. This is their largest investment they'll make in their life, and you're saying there's really no content out there that's going to guide you along
1: well i mean there's listings right and everyone's got you know a distance from the nearest school um maybe past sales data you know that's kind of what you see in the market and everything else is pretty much you know it there isn't someone who's got like this vision to tell to inform a generation to go with them on this journey um and so as REW, like And when we think about, cool, how are we going to grow our brand? How are we going to deploy our marketing dollars? How are we going to reach our objectives of getting dominance in the other provinces across Canada? This is, you know, not to like spill our secrets or anything, but this is the edge of our wedge, man. It's not about a crazy new model. It's not about the future necessarily. It's about today and maybe tomorrow, because I think, you know, especially with new homes and you look at the canadian situation um, particularly in the west coast where bc is you know you, you've got like l- there's literally not enough place for people to live right now so there are like thousands of projects coming out of the ground again you know this um, but to be honest with you think about how little context there is for these places <laughs> you know, they they were fields and now they are going to be communities how do we like? How do we jumpstart enough culture to make sure that these communities thrive? Like, that you know, if you're a family person, you get to move to that kind of community. If you're an art person, you get to move to a certain other kind of community. I think, from what I've seen around, there's like, there's this opportunity for us to really explore real estate through a new lens and through the lens of the people doing it, not through the lens of the businesses involved. You know, no one cares about a mortgage company's. The home seeker story, you know? No one should even care about, like, our version of it. That's why what we're trying to do is really give voice to stories that already exist. And as a silly example, like, us at REW, we have stories, you know? So we're literally starting, if, if you if you look at some of the stuff we've created this year, the one is A, a Promiseful Batman, which was a story of um, uh, our head of sales who searched for a new home. And it sounds just like thousands of other Canadians, but how nice to know that it came, it worked out for this one. It took two years longer. It cost more money. There was tax issues. But at the end of the day, there was a prom. Sorry, Batman's a little dog, by the way. Batman yeah, okay. And- I was
0: wondering. I was like, well, how does Bat- this involve <laughs> Batman yeah, and the Riddler?
1: <laughs> so Batman and Falco are her small little. I think chihuahuas, and I don't want to. I don't want to uh, get it wrong on the other one. But uh, she just wanted a piece of lawn for them. And so that was, her, that was her search. That was her story. And there are ways that REW can be a much better website, a much better home search experience for Alana um, once we seek to try and understand her and people like her. And so when you mention the best experience for new home buyers, first-time home buyers, our logic is really that by being the best experience for first-time home buyers, we will be the best experience for all home buyers you know? So like, if we we create that content and everything, it is just going to make it amazing for everyone else. So it's just a way of, I mean, it's not,
0: it's actually a pretty good play, right? Like they say that the, the very first toothpaste brand that you were introduced to, you, you carry that for the rest of your life. Uh, The the first financial institution that your parents, you know, trudge you to, to open your first checking account, savings account. That's kind of where you're at for, for at least a couple of decades. And so, if you're able to engage, at least from that's what it sounds like the first time home buyer, you know, hopefully that these people actually do well, but are successful and they can upgrade and upscale to from a, you know, maybe one bedroom to two bedroom to a townhome to a house. Mm. And so if you're able to walk along that path with them, you're going to be their quote unquote trusted partner, mm. publication, platform, not platform, because you said no platform, but <laughs> experience anyway. We choose the word for,
1: guide. <laughs> hey? Uh, we see guide, ourselves exactly. as like a guide like it's your journey, it's your mission we're not telling you what to do but like here's everything we know that can help you kind of thing so it's almost so like no, the as anthropomorphization there's a word, $10 word uh, of the brand is something that I'm personally quite excited about um, we really are trying to be more of a personality in the space rather than a platform
0: I love that I think that is a really good way of looking at it and and i commend you guys for bringing in you you know guys like yourself you know new blood uh, new thinking and especially coming from the outside because my next question actually was going to be to ask you around um just the the canadian home affordability housing affordability crisis that that we talk about you're in another continent in a just as populated part of the world is there a housing issue there is is it any different than here given that it's you're you're from cape town it's an urban city um how is it different is it different
1: it is urban and 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 there are a couple of the physical characteristics that cape town shares with with vancouver specifically and that's being hemmed on the one side by the ocean and then mountains on the other side and in your case the united states (laughs) um but uh, and so for Cape Town it's very much the same as the ocean on three sides a mountain range and then desert and so that scarcity has always made it a very expensive place um but i think you know the lifestyle total package of Vancouver is a lot of the weather the access to the outdoors you know it's obviously like Cape Town made it a very desirable place to live and i think post pandemic that's even had some interesting although they probably move out of the core but still onto that west coast so we see similar uh, we see similar dynamics here uh, amongst the what we'll call the formal market in South Africa which resembles what we see in Canada so obviously the informal sector which is a whole other thing you know it's like shanty towns and stuff that i would say obviously doesn't have any comparison to Canada but where i'd say that the the 400,000 new souls that arrive onshore every year for the next however many years you know that's something that's quite different we've got the situation where you know there's even if no one else arrived there'd still be a housing there would still be housing pressure but now that we've got and personally i mean look i'm going to be a beneficiary of one of those uh, one of those people arriving in canada but you know i think where how is that going to look how are people from all of these outsiders going to make their way through the real estate landscape in canada i think there's a real opportunity there and if I can say that like where I hope where I think things will get interesting and we're not there yet, is that finding the solutions of how we should build or how the market should be arbitrated or something like that. not saying we're going to be in the driving seat of that, but I sure hope that we can be a strong and directly connected um, spokesperson or or representative of the home seeker in market. So, for example, helping to identify places that really need more housing or, you know, helping to develop and market and create community somewhere else. So whatever way we can play and to sort of help um, in, in that respect is, I think, a unique challenge to Vancouver and Canada. Um, but I kind of get the the one <laughs> – I jokingly say the one thing Cape Town and Vancouver have in common is that the number one spectator sport is real estate. Everyone can have a conversation with you about the weather – and the price of real estate. <laughs> and I appreciate that, you know. Um, it's defi- what, What's wonderful about it as a marketer, as a brander, is that, you know, a- unless you're talking about something like music or the internet or water, you know, like very few things affect every single man, woman, and child on earth for the majority of their lives. And so what a cool, very large space to be able to get into. Um, and I particularly find uh, the BC... The opinions are quite uh, varied and rigorous in, in BC, that's for sure.
0: It's very funny too. well actually let, let's talk about that i want to hear what you you see around that because you know i sometimes being in the force you don't see the force for the trees <laughs> whereas you're you're you have an outside perspective what does that what does that tell you is it is it as polarizing as we we see we see it or is it as you know was it the wage gap and and the you know the middle class shrinking i like do, do that that's the commentary that I hear from you know my conversations you know the spectating that you're talking about with with my friends and mm. what do you see
1: I think you know there's definitely a, a substantial amount of i don't want to really call it negativity but the there was a when I was talking to certain people, particularly some of the photographers that I've worked with, you know people that are in the creative freelance. I guess people like me a few years ago. Um, you know, it is legitimately a dream just to own a home, any home. <laughs> It'll take any home, um, and that is something that to me is like the sincerity and and almost the there was like this little tiny hint of defeated heart underneath it because they just felt like it was it was just an unrealistic um, goal based on the way things are going. And, Obviously, the world's been through the ringer recently in the last few years, but I found that there was a large part of what I would even call my peers who definitely had this dream, but it was being deferred so often that um, I got a sort of a sense of the sadness there. Then you've got the wheelers and dealers who are, you know, squirrelling money away, putting, you know, the, you know, playing the game with the bank loans and, you know, leveraging all that other kind of stuff, which is way beyond my, my ken personally um but there's people who you know who are out there making hay as best that they can and then i've met a few of the richer <laughs> citizens of vancouver <laughs> who are um just to say a little detached from the reality of things um you know it's quite difficult to feel sorry for someone complaining about you know the the wall around their 11 million dollar <laughs> home you know or the neighborhood or something like that um so I think it is an extraordinary um, uh, a mixing pot of opinions, but uh, I definitely did. Um, I was hearing the people who had these dreams, or as we call the dreamers, and uh, I think that I have respect for the hustlers, but it is it is way more of a, for, I want to call it a full-time job. <laughs> Buying real estate is like a full-on job <laughs> in Canada. You know.
0: Well, I think it can be. Now, we don't have the formal and informal market that you just talked about. So one thing that we don't have is the shanty towns and some of the other, I, I don't even want to call, you know, housing class units or whatever you would call it. Because I don't think any any Vancouverite would purchase or go and look for, oh, if I could only have a shanty house, at least I could afford that. So is the conversation, how is the conversation different in Cape Town then? And given that you said there's there's the dreamers, there's the hustlers, there's the extremely wealthy. Is that not the case in your part of the world.
1: So what's really interesting um, is that, especially in Vancouver, this whole um, missing middle thing is quite weird. Um, it creates very disparate, like disparate, housing options. You've got your suburban sort of detached homes, and then you've got all the big towers. Um, and so what I've noticed is that there's a lot. There's not a. It's not a, you're actually not spoiled for choice in terms of what you can live in in Vancouver. Um, And I think that, you know, just as there is, I would say, what we call the uh, affordability crisis or affordable housing in good locations is definitely something we have and are are contending with here in Cape Town. For example, the way we do it is that I think something like 20% of all new buildings built have to have 20% allocated – all new buildings have to have 20% allocated to low-income houses – so we're seeing micro apartments, like 22 square meters. I don't know if these are good or bad things. Um, I would say in South Africa, we don't have the, you know, the term of condo and apartment. I had to learn the difference. Everything is everything is for sale here. <laughs> and if it's not for sale, you're renting. And the cost of renting is half the cost of sale. So do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's this sort of weird secondary market that goes on here, whereas like, over there, combination of the minimum, like, if I'm not mistaken, if you're buying over a million dollars, you need to pony up a 20% deposit. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the one hand, that's outrageous. Who has $200,000 that they don't need? But on the other hand, at least going into the transaction, every Canadian in that price range has 20% equity in their home. You can do something with that. In South Africa, I ah, don't even put anything down, you know, it's just like, that's cool. We'll just write you a...
0: You just, you just buy it buy with nothing down. No equity.
1: Let's just say that there are plenty of predatory lenders um, that take advantage of the lower less sophisticated parts of the market. I hate using the word lower, but you know, in terms of the economic scale, like that entry level. Um, so I would say that things will get interesting when the interest rates start popping up.
0: Isn't that really just the subprime to 2008 thing all over again?
1: Yeah, except less sophisticated.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, well. <laughs> Look, it's, way, it's, not,
1: it's not really my area of expertise to talk on. And as I say, I've been far more interested in Canadian real estate than South African for the last two years. But I would say that like, I would love to see more variation, just from a, from a n- number of reasons, architectural, aesthetic, quality of life. I'd love to see more variation in the living options in, in Vancouver. Um, I think there's a lot of buildings that are very much the same, um, mm. And I'd love, I'd love to see some of that start. I'd love to see some individuality start to emerge out of in in, in the future. You know, uh, whether it's so. You want more
0: Hobbit houses? Is that what you're saying? We need a few more Hobbit houses. Anything or?
1: but gentrification buildings. <laughs> you know, I think um, I think I'd love to see um, uh, just. I mean, I browse through the pages of REW, and I must say it's quite difficult to determine why one house is a different price or one apartment is a different condo, is a different price from another. Um, and I think I think there's a, there's some exciting ground for people to differentiate. Um, like, whether if you're selling your house, like, yeah, there's, there's, there's general merit, I believe, in making it stand out by being a bit different. I've noticed that in Canada, there's a tendency to, to kind of pull together, coalesce. Uh not, not wanting to necessarily stand out too much. And I think that there's a really exciting... There might just be the, 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 the creative South African in me, but I want to see a red wall or a, a piece of art that's different. You know, everyone seems to have the same furniture and the same walls. And I just think that it makes real estate more of a commodity rather than, like, home. And that's kind of what I love to see. That's just my personal thing. I'm quite well okay. off pieced from your initial question. I
0: apologize. No, I think this is a great conversation. Rare that I get to talk to um, non-Canadians about Canadian real estate, let alone right. South Africans. So this is, this is interesting. And, and thank you for that and indulging me. Now let's get back a little bit more to the marketing side of things because that's yeah. why we're here. <laughs> you know, you went through a bit of the ringer and, and, and over the last little while, you mentioned that COVID has been tough for, for lots of folks and it must have affected your colleagues in marketing. And the creative space and i'd love to hear what you've seen uh in terms of the resiliency of, of marketers and what they've done to thrive over this time
1: don't you think how cool it is that people have become kind of like live streamers overnight i think it's um i i think obviously it, it's it's no surprise that the creative arts i think um you know largely freelance there's a lot of freelance in this community and all of those people would have been immediately <laughs> let go or put on ice when stuff like lockdowns came down um but you know what from what i i can see is that those sort of the the actual creative types have used this opportunity to do weird and wonderful new things um let's say live streaming is one of them i mean even me i've got cameras and microphones and audio equipment um You know, I think what's really exciting is that as we uh, say coming out of it, but two years deep, let's just call it, um, we now have people who are, we now have distributed production studios all over the world, which is really exciting. And now with a global, um, or potentially largely global access to market, which I think is really super cool for us. I mean, just as an example, obviously I'm here in South Africa, This is a weird quirk of COVID. I wasn't able to travel. I've I've only been able to visit for a month, but I wasn't able to uh, organise the move during this period. And so what I've done is begun to build a little Canadian company here or a studio here in Cape Town. We adhere to the the Canadian stat holidays. You know, we we try and learn as much about the culture. Like, we're trying to create this little space down here, um, whereas we can kind of understand because the one thing we have is very little in the way of local context our sense of humor is different as you'll probably get a sense of (laughs) Um, and so what we're trying to do is you know create this little we've been able to create this little um, they were everyone was a freelancer but we brought them together in this kind of collective and we're learning how to work with with our mothership in, in Vancouver and so even as like for us it was that okay Unfortunately, like, because of the world the way it is, Rew has Rew North in Vancouver, and Rew South in Cape Town. For those sort of reasons, both companies are like very different purposes. But like here, as a creative um, as a creative unit, like we have this opportunity to to serve the Canadian market um, and give provide access to a lot of like film talent and all that kind of um, animation, audio, all that sort of stuff. So we can shoot in Vancouver, upload it, have it edited in Cape Town, and then release the next day in Canada. And so how cool that this this sort of, this this isn't even that difficult to operate now. And I think that's just an example of how people just trying stuff out have actually ended up creating quite productive, weird, new kinds of organizations. Like for us, we're not, remote we're not in person obviously anymore and i don't even think that we're hybrid in a sense is that we've gone for this belief that like it's basically remote in the sense that you can be wherever it is that you want to be um wherever that makes sense for you but we have made it uh, a, a priority and a necessity that we do get together face to face um in a purposeful way and it's never to do our daily work together it's to learn something or celebrate something or whatever, so we believe in this face-to-face fellowship. But you know, we're building this kind of distributed team, kind of just as we go along. And I think that's really cool for the people in marketing to think about: is that like, how can you be a part of 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 something that's doing what you want to do? And like, that's very <laughs> something that's very popular in the Web three space. You hear it all off. Um, uh, so often on Twitter now. But I think that kind of freedom that gets espoused in that space is what we're looking to... I mean, we just want creative storytellers, designers, photographers. We're looking to collaborate in a way that we can, you know, provide a bit of stability as a base. But I think no one's coming back to being full-time anything, you know? I think everybody I agree. is, is going to be agree. mixing it up I, in the market.
0: I think it's, uh, it's very interesting that, you know, you and I have never met. Hmm. And yet... Your experience and my experience of, of my agency, Ballistic Arts, is very similar. So pre-pandemic, everyone worked out of my office in the suburbs of Vancouver. Everyone had to commute. Me being the boss, I made sure I had the office four minutes from my house. But still, there was still a four-minute commute. And now everyone from work, everybody works from home. And within about, I want to say, 12 months in you know, we're almost through the first year, people started to disperse. So I had initially one of my staff move up north uh, in BC to purchase a home because you can't purchase a home Mm. down here. And then I had folks travel, right? And right now I have people working and traveling and vacationing all at the same time. My content producer is in Tanzania and then he's going to be in Dubai next week. And then he's going to be in the UK and he's working through this time while he's going to be, on the beach celebrating his dad's milestone birthday. Mm. Uh, My COO is in the Philippines because his girlfriend hasn't seen family and she's from Manila for two, three years. I have someone in Ecuador. I have someone in Spain just for the fact that, Hey, we proved that we can do it and everyone's able to be creative. In fact, some of my staff, maybe it's creative folks, creatures of comfort, what my, my UX designer actually said, I love working from home because I get my mug, my <laughs> mug. No one touches my mug. I get to wear my fuzzy slippers and my PJs and I'm more creative for it. And it's true. The work that we're getting is fantastic. Yeah. And so I think it's rare that we would have had the opportunity prior to the pandemic for me and you to be doing a podcast from the other side of the planet. And yet here we are sharing great ideas. Yeah. And I think this is true. It, I don't think it's going away. And I think the, the people, the companies that are forcing their staff to come back to the office 100% of the time, they are putting a ceiling, a limit on the talent that is accessible to them globally. Yeah. And that's a shame for them, but I think it's a boon for us. So.
1: Exactly, it's always an opportunity to recruit, as I say.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Now we're mindful of time here, and we want to always do a rapid fire round. Yep. And just to get to know Justin a little bit, so I'm going to, you know, just fire off some some questions and see what you got there. All right.
1: Okay. Bear in mind it's 9 p.m. eh? Hey? you're getting me. I know I, it's
0: all good. So my first <laughs> my first question is because you tapped upon the fact that you have basically a little mini Canadian house there, and you're <laughs> celebrating all the stats and all that kind of stuff. What is the weirdest Canadian holiday that you've had to observe and you're like, What is this and why am I doing it?
1: Gosh. Just about well, look, every holiday at this point is a what is this and why am I doing it point of view. Just learning what a stat holiday is was actually something that took some learning because it's provincial and all that sort of all that sort of thing. I would say I don't have a good answer for that. I mean what I thought was, was interesting is that Thanksgiving is different to the american one uh, and learning a little bit about you know the art like the story behind that and it's something i'm still uh, well look i'm looking forward to celebrating it hopefully later this year in town but i would say that's probably the one that was a that was a bit of a surprise and a discovery but it's it's all new to me
0: favorite movie you saw in the last six months
1: you're gonna um you're gonna learn during this process that i don't watch a lot of movies i don't read a lot of books (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I know you've got some questions on both. Um, I would say, gosh, can't think of uh, a movie I've watched recently. Um, what do you do for fun? I watch more series than I do movies.
0: All right, like series. Let's let's give it. What what kind of series?
1: Ted Lasso was a real treat. Eh? You,
0: Ted Lasso was awesome. Me? Yeah, awesome.
1: I'm ready for the. I'm ready for for season three. Right. Yeah.
0: Ted Lasso is the only Ted on television that was actually kind of cool. Like every other, cause I, my name is Ted and right. So uh, me and my wife always joke whenever there's some kind of dork or side, you know, extra or some loser, they're always named Ted. You never get the protagonist being Ted. So the fact that Ted Lasso is our hero now. Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah. I will say, um, just as an interesting exercise, try Justin on for size. Justin is never the good dude in
0: the story. <laughs> it's true. Justin's always kind of the evil one, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, always. he's
1: trying to go for your girlfriend or, you know, scam your 401k. I don't know. But there's never a good Justin in anything, you know? Oh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> you and me, we should uh, we should sort of... We should make them.
0: a Justin and Ted superhero <laughs> band or something like that. Right? That'll work.
1: Yeah. We're nice guys. So.
0: <laughs> what music are you streaming right now?
1: Um, everything, but I tell you, uh, something, if you're not listening to it to give it a crack is, um, Caravan Palace. It's, uh, electronic swing jazz. Um,
0: that is a combo, man. It's electronic so swing jazz.
1: Yeah. So my, my, my vibe is very much like this vintage, you know, old Vitrola kind of 1920s roaring kind of sound, but like with like some fat beats.
0: Caravan Palace.
1: Caravan Palace. Yeah.
0: All right. I'm gonna check that out.
1: Yeah. Music videos. Is there a
0: South African holiday that you love?
1: Um, I like our uh, our uh, our Heritage Day is a nice day here in South Africa. Um, we uh, it's just generally like South Africa is. Uh, I think you know it's obviously a complex history, but it's this one day a year where everyone just goes and cooks outside because that's the one thing that rich or poor. Purple or yellow, whatever the situation is, north or south, everyone just goes out. Like we definitely have this one, this one, one small part of our culture that is just like I think cooked, <laughs> pardon the pun, into into us. And so you literally can just smell like what you would call barbecue. We call braai. The one day is just like beautiful cooking meat all over the.
0: the what is your favorite braai dish?
1: Oh, man. You gotta have you gotta have it all. You gotta really have you gotta have um, a good steak, what we call burrovos, which is a sausage um, that's sort of curled up. You gotta have a good salad, maybe a potato salad, uh, and then you gotta have garlic bread or what we call bribrakis, which is essentially a um, a cheese and tomato sandwich with onions cooked on the open flame.
0: None of this sounds healthy, my friend.
1: Man, didn't say it was. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds delicious, though. It's good for the soul. <laughs>
0: good for the soul. All right, give me a marketing tip to end this. That's good for the soul.
1: Uh, what is good for the soul? I don't know. Um, don't feel free to say less. I think that is my thing. Is that like don't don't overcook don't overcook the message. People are are smarter and more aware of your what you're trying to say than you maybe imagine so yeah don't preach I, mean, I guess what that I'm is saying. that is
0: so true i just <laughs> finished a call right before our podcast started with somebody who said i want to do a 30 second video and i want to put our new brand message mission vision company history of the last 30 years into 30 seconds and i just come on man like it's 2022 you should know better than to ask me this but you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah, and also stop writing search engine optimization content, please.
0: Please, <laughs> amen. As All a- right, Justin, my friend. Well, you're far from the evil villain that your name bestows, but I do yeah. appreciate the time in the late evening that it is over in Cape Town. I do uh, hope to see you when you when you visit town and hit me up when you can. But uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, my friend.
1: And you, Ted? Yeah, I say I, I will take you up on that. I look forward to to making making permanent residence in your neck of the woods.
0: All right, my friend. Well, thank you, everybody, for another great episode of Marketing News Canada. My name is Ted. I'm from Ballistic Arts, and I'm the host of Marketing News Canada. And this is Justin from R E W. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and the Podfather.
3: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies.